Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Canadian Football Countdown. Yes, for those wondering who watched my Twitter account today, I still have the keys to the car. This is episode number 165, our Week 9 CFL recap. Welcome to the show. Tonight, we'll talk to all four games, or whether it's Horngate, whether it's Saddlegate or Noisegate or everything else in between. Nonetheless, we'll have it all for you here tonight. Along with our usual goodies, a power rankings player of the week, and maybe a very darn good reason why I'm in the middle of the screen tonight. We'll talk about more about that a little bit later on. Uh, this is all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Uh, for more information, visit Facebook.com backslash Game Time TV. Hi to those of you joining us live. Uh, there are some people already joining us live, so thank you, and welcome to those of us, those of you joining us on demand via Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page, as well as I've already said watching on demand. Before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention that we are a proud member of the Today Football Podcast Network and are brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, Traditional Territory, the Ocean Abbey, Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene people, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as Treaty 4 Territory, Traditional Territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Without further ado, I'll bring in the rest of the panel. We'll start to my right with the resident expert in our betting pits. So I'm led to believe. More on that later. Good evening, Trey Colbert. Hey guys, let's uh, let's talk some football. You know, I'm really excited. We've uh, had a couple good weeks here in the betting pool. You know, so let's keep it going and talk some recap. Fantasy is a different story for me, but uh, we'll talk about that later, right, Ryan? Yep, and we'll bring in somebody whose quarterback had a great week. The rest of his team, not so much. Sitting to my left, Ryan Coop. Good evening, Ryan. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Trey. Good evening, everybody. Happy to be here. Yes, uh, put Nathan Rourke in the Hall of Fame. Preach it. Once again, you'll hear it probably 10 times on the podcast tonight. What a week for the young Canadian kid it was. What a week of football in general. And a quick shout out to all of our listeners over in Thailand. Uh, you know, I got an email in my email inbox today of, of some, some charts and some stats. Do you know where the number eight ranked football podcast in Thailand, guys? So, uh Shout out to everybody over in Thailand listening to this podcast. Uh, we hear you. We appreciate you. And, of course, everybody else as well. Uh, back to you, Mike. Whoops. Technical difficulties there. Um, just before we get into the games tonight, I thought I'd switch things up a little bit. And pretty basic question. I had it in my opening already. Which was more impressive to you? Sandal Gate with Farhan Laji getting his 25 years at TSN and the ensuing sandals uh, debate that happened. Was it the noise date? The articles being, I guess, questioned or 
accused of pumping in fake crowd noise? Or was it Horngate, where, quite frankly, on Thursday night, we couldn't hear the team because there was an annoying horn? Which do you find more entertaining as far as it pertained to off the field this week? And we'll start with you, Trey. Oh, entertaining. I don't know if I say entertaining, but the one that I think is the biggest crime is Farhan, man. I expect better out of him and then those sandals. And what wasn't his, he's uh, celebrating 25 years that night too or something. So you got, you can't forget the shoes, man. But if it was any, you know what? Maybe you could forgive Farhan. Other guys, you wouldn't be able to forgive. He always rocks what he wears. Uh, You know, I don't buy into the Toronto one. I don't know. It, nah. Um, no. And then the Montreal one. Here in Quebec, Montreal always seems to have that horn. It's not. I'm actually surprised it took us this long to complain about it, Ryan. Yeah, what a week of uh, weird situations, guys. You know, full respect to Farhan Lalji. I loved the sandals. I thought he rocked it. You know, you've been there for 25 years. You're a mainstay. You're one of the best uh, reporters out there when it comes to the CFL. You should be able to rock sandals on the sidelines uh, with your suit. I thought he crushed it. Shout out to Farhan Lalji uh, on his 25 years. I'm with Trey. The whole Argos and pumping in noise thing, I don't believe it myself. Uh, you know, people you know a little bit skeptical about the attendance over in Toronto and whether that crowd can make that much noise. I fully believe, yes, they have attendance issues at BMO Field. But the people who go to those games are diehard football fans. They're loud. They're proud for their team. And I really do think that uh, there is no pumped in crowd noise there. I, I think we've seen the difference even on a bomber game where, you know, the, the, we saw a games where it's, you know, 23, 24,000 people. And it's just as loud sometimes as it is when there's 30,000 there. So uh, I don't know if you can really draw the exact crowd size from the, the volume you hear. Uh, so I guess that leaves Horngate because, uh, well, I, I tried to find an air horn around the house to bring here tonight. I did. I don't have one. This episode is 100% certified air horn free, so do not worry. You'll be able to hear us hopefully all night long here. Um, oh, that air horn was uh, even it was even getting on my nerves a little bit there. But what I do appreciate is the troll-like behavior of the Alouette social media group who were just having a blast with this whole thing. I love it. I think it's fun. I think it's funny watching people uh, get mad about it and them just lean into it. I, I love when teams go go off on social media. Mike? Uh, it's to me, to me, it's interesting, right? Because um, first off, if you've worked somewhere for 25 years, I think you deserve to have an intro that's rather unique. So Saturday was kind of kind of perfect there. Uh, still still can't really uh, get it out of my head. Uh, it's quite hilarious. I had to I had to actually watch it and I had to rewind it just to make sure that I was seeing what I was seeing because uh, no offense, but I hadn't seen like one of the more serious guys on the panel. Uh, nice to see him. Uh, come out, come out of his shell a little bit, have some fun, and I think, guys, it rivals Matthew Shinetti's game day chats. Pretty darn good, uh, game day sandals, perhaps. I, I like what Chris says in our YouTube chat that Farhan needs advice from Elliot Friedman on shoes and socks. 
Well, yeah, I guess. But Friedman also has uh, the hair that is like rivals anybody in the media industry. On a more serious note, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we have a new partnership. And uh, and the partnership's gone uh, really well so far, Ryan. Yeah, this episode of the podcast is sponsored in part by BetStamp. BetStamp, a free app that helps you find the best odds across different sports books uh, to maximize the value of your online sports betting wagers. You can learn more at BetStamp.app. The link is in the episode description. Sign up with referral code CFC. You can track our picks uh, for each CFL game every week over on BetStamp, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later in the show, so stay tuned for that. All right, with the off the field shenanigans part one taken care of, let's turn our attention on the field for once. And there's one unbeaten team who resides in this fair city who had a opportunity to go to nine and zero, playing Montreal in Montreal on the road on Thursday night football, and they were able to do it, defeating the Montreal Alouettes thirty-five to twenty. The first thing that comes to mind, guys, and we'll open up the floor here. We'll start with you, Ryan, but I'll get my opening thought quickly. And that is, I'm not too sure I want to meet the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a close game in the fourth quarter ever again. It's such a weird feeling after the years of turmoil where you went to a game, and I know this was on the road, but you went to a game at IG Field expecting a loss. And now you go into a game and it's tied in the fourth quarter. And it's like, oh, okay, sweet. Uh, let's just, uh, you know, go do our thing and uh, wrap it up and, and go home. Because it seems like they find a way in the fourth quarter every time. They played kind of garbage for three quarters of that football game and then exploded for 21 points in the fourth. And once they put the pedal to the metal, Montreal just fell apart a little bit there. The Bombers did what they did. They got their lead, and then they uh, shut it down from there, and that's what they do best, uh, Trey. Boys, we live in an era that none of us have experienced, really, but my kids, my 7- and 4-year-old, they truly believe the Bombers don't lose because they've never freaking seen it, especially at IG Field. And if they have, it was cold games that I don't take my kids to, right? You know, And I tell my oldest, I tell my 7-year-old, man, it was the other way. When, when when I was your age, man, I went to a game almost every year on my birthday, and I don't think they won one. You know, it was absolutely horrific. And now we're here, where this you know teams can't pick, get a win. You know how much how would this game have been if Claros didn't throw three interceptions? You know what I mean? Like you, this kind of was made. I started feeling like uh, the West Finals last year when I think Claros had four or five, and then they still ended up winning the game. Like. I don't know if anyone saw my tweet, but I think that was the perfect. Have you ever seen the boys? That's the perfect tweet to compliment that show is Calaris is looking around smiling like we won. Like, you know, but, you know, when the, this team, I, I, O'Shea, I think you got to give it a lot to O'Shea and and Kyle Walters and even uh, uh, Wade Miller. You know, they built something here that, you know, can't seem to be tore down. It can't, it's not a uh, Gary Stern. It can't tear it down. And uh, BC can't tear it down. Calgary can't tear it down. Let's see if the Rough Riders can in a few weeks. All right, Adam in the chat there, but I, I don't know what else to say about this team, man. Like it, they, they had terrible out, out of their 10 games, what maybe two or three of them were, would be great games or good games at that. They've had seven mediocre or less games and they keep winning. And, you know, we might turn into the Homer show a little bit on this, but is there really much like 
What's more impressive, that they have bad games, but they still win? I almost say that's almost more impressive in a way, right? You can make that argument. Uh, yeah, I'm really horny for the Bombers right now, boys. I, I can't say anything less about it. Can I just adjust something very quickly that, that we kind of talked about here quickly before we go to Montreal? Because I think this is exactly where some one of us is going to start on Montreal. The Bombers are not dependent on the officials. I, I have heard this narrative thrown around about oh, the, the, the lead hands penalties to Winnipeg. They draw out looking for penalties to call against a certain team. Let's be very clear. What was one of O'Shea's mandates the minute he got here? Despite all the winning, or sorry, all the losing that has gone on of late, discipline. We need to play clean Clean, disciplined football. That's what the Blue Bombers do. They make their opponent take silly penalties, such as pyramiding. Oh my, like, really? Like, this is the team that is coached how to not take penalties. Everybody should take a lesson in how to play football. I'm not saying that Winnipeg doesn't or does does or doesn't get away with stuff. Everybody does. But I cannot recall the last time I saw an overly stupid penalty taken by the Bombers with the game on the line. It's often the other team taking these pyramiding penalties and these penalties that are, you know, very avoidable, such as putting your hand properly or improperly on a third down. Five yards is five yards. The first down is the first down. Got some luck along the way, but you got to be good to be lucky. And I think, I, I don't know how to describe Montreal because I'm getting tired of it every week because it's like one good game, one bad game. Sure. The Achilles heel of why we were led to believe that a coach was being fired. Hmm. Usually when you fire a coach, it's because you want to rectify a problem, not make it worse. Penalties, as far as I'm concerned, gentlemen, still a problem for the Montreal Alouettes. Certainly a problem when you play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the scary part for the CFL, not just Montreal, it's when the Bombers start finding those good games on a consistent basis. For Montreal, I, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, you know, you, it's like you hang around with a team for 45 minutes, and then you can't do it. You fold the tent, you go home. I, I don't know. I uh, Listen, I don't want to be critical of Montreal this week because they played a really, really good 45 minutes. But the most important 15 minutes they seem to have forgotten about, which which is the end in a close game. So I don't know what to make of Montreal because Winnipeg has just done this to everybody. But I'm not liking their prospects of a rematch, uh, victory taking penalties the way they did. Um, Trey, your thoughts on Montreal, where they go from here? So to me, that to me, Trey, it, it's just the penalties. You fired a coach over. 
so-called penalties, and it doesn't seem to be getting better in my mind. No, I agree. You know, it comes down to that, and yeah, I don't think we all talked about this. It wasn't coaching in Montreal that was the issue. There was a lot more to it, and like, sorry, I was just looking here because I think I mentioned it to you guys. Like, the line wasn't that bad this past week, but look, upcoming, the line opened up at double digits for the Bombers, and that's you usually don't see that in a back to back, right? You usually see the line get closer. You know, teams should know each other, but Bombers got some. Uh, Players coming back, it looked like today in practice. Let's see. It's th- pl- yeah, it's minus 12 and a half or plus 13 and a half is the best for Montreal as of today. But we'll talk more Wednesday on that. Uh, Montreal, like, I don't know what their issue. They kept the game close. You know, they were only 7-3 at halftime. I was scratching my head looking at that. And and then, yeah, the Bombers just took off what was like a punt return. And, you know, they just the, they, everything just deflated Montreal in the fourth. You know, they were still... Oh heck, they were winning at the end of the third, right? You know, or close, right? So, you know, it's just those deflating moments and penalties add to that and a punt return adds to that and some interceptions add to that. And I think the main thing is Winnipeg didn't get deflated when they had their turnovers, right? You know, they they're, they know how to win and Montreal just doesn't quite know how to do that. And unfortunately, but hey, fortunately for Montreal, no team in the East knows how to win right now. So Montreal could still win the division. You know, Hamilton and, and Toronto are going to beat up on each other three more times over the next four weeks. Ottawa's the dumpster fire there. You know, every team seems to just, you know, be giving each other a chance to win. So, you know, it's not doom and gloom in Montrealville and Gary world, but it, you know, because like, again, two teams of these four have to make the playoffs, unfortunately, and Montreal could find a way, right, Ryan? Yeah, for me, it's with Montreal, there's just no flash. There's no spark there right now this season for them. Like, I don't see a consistent effort across the board. I don't see a ton of efforts that jump out to me. I mean, you look at their wide receiver numbers this week. Eugene Lewis, nine catches, 15 targets for 123 yards. Their next highest receiver was Reggie White Jr. at two catches for 33. Like, It was the Eugene Lewis show. It seemed they couldn't get things going offensively, so they went over and over to the same guy again, and that seems to be the case regularly with them. And In years past, Jake Winicky was the second go-to guy there, but once again, only 17 yards for him. Uh, I will say Tyson Philpott was probably the brightest star for Montreal in this one to me. Uh, He did catch a touchdown pass. He had a long return. You know, I, I've touched on the depth I need to see. I would like to see more of from the Alouettes at, at wide receiver. I think Phil Pott could be a star in this league, and I think he's going to be a star in this league, and I'm excited to see him grow. But uh, when, you, you know, when you're not really getting things going too much offensively, when it seems like nothing's going well, uh, and you're going to Eugene Lewis over and over again, that seems like kind of the desperation move in that one. And Trevor Harris picking his guy and sticking with it and, yeah, they moved down the field a little bit, but uh, nothing too spectacularly. We did end up getting Dominic Davison yet at the end of the game on this one as well. So, yeah, the, I think Montreal is going to be in tough here on, on the back-to-back. You know, generally I like to pick the teams to split in this one, but now you got to go into Winnipeg to try to turn this around. We know that's no easy task there. So, I know I'm not going to be on the show on Wednesday, but I do have some concerns with this matchup. Uh, that is the Blue Bombers looking ahead uh, to their bye week next week. I'm I'm a little bit interested about that mindset. Knowing O'Shea, he probably won't let them uh, won't let them uh, get there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and 
is brought up in the comments. Uh, David Cote hits the crossbar at 14 apiece in the fourth quarter. How that changes the game. Um, but to me, guys, like, we didn't flatter about Montreal's 20 points all we want. But a lot of it was, and I hate to be, uh, and people are going to accuse me of being a homer, and that's perfectly fine. Some of those points were self-inflicted special teams mistakes by the Blue Bombers where if they made the couple tackles, Montreal doesn't have a near field position, but they do on a lot of that. That being said, uh, the one thing I will say about this game yet is it's a rare feat in the Canadian Football League to have all three phases of your game Special teams, offense, and defense contribute the way the Bombers did in the fourth quarter. It was the Janarian Grant punt return, uh, the defensive uh, short field, and the offense uh, managing to find a way uh, to win. That being said, guys, really quickly on Montreal, how do you approach this one? Because, I mean, early reports, at least yesterday, I saw, and I didn't see any reports today, it looked like, at least to an extent, Dominic Davis was taking the first team reps. I'm not sure what the latest report was today, uh, and I'm wondering if that might have something to do with those lines uh, being a little bit lopsided, uh, perhaps with some of the injury concerns uh, from Montreal's standpoint. But but it's it's interesting, and... I may have one positive thing here just on the way out. Uh, I didn't pick him as my player of the week, but I gave him strong consideration. Uh, that returner slash receiver, Phil Pot, I, 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 he's going to be a big problem given some more rope on this team uh, to catch and run the ball. Uh, he is going to be a nightmare for years to come. And He's not your prototypical rookie returner. Um, you know, usually it's, oh, where did where do we run on the on the kickoff and punt returns? No, no, this guy runs straight down the field. He runs hard. He runs fast. He's not your typical, and we've seen this from young receivers. You know, they're not sure where to go. Hello, Charles Nelson, or hello, Nelson from uh, Edmonton. <laughs> um, We'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, it, it's, it's you know, the pieces are there. But it's they cannot put it together with any consistency. And the scary part is, I still think this team could be the best team in the East, despite where they sit right now. But quick, Go ahead. Quick note, Tim uh, from the Owlets Flight Deck is in our YouTube chat. Hi, Tim. Uh, says uh, Trevor Harris was a full participant today. So okay, uh, missed practice yesterday, but uh, it looks like he'll be starting Thursday. That's night. good. I read a lot of I read a lot of information. I can't remember if it's the same day or the, or the day before. So uh, thank thank you, Tim, for uh, following up. Uh, by the way, love your podcast. Uh, keep it up. Um, Let's move to our next game. Can I make a quick point? Just one, one quick point. One quick, quick, quick. Isn't yeah. the the Montreal Phil Pot? Wasn't he supposed to be the less good of the two? You know what I mean? Like, so if we're seeing him go off like this, isn't his twin supposed to be better and went earlier? Or am I mixing them up? 
Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I think, I think Jalen did go earlier in the draft. I'll double check on that one, but he's made some good plays so far this season too. I think both are going to be stars in this league. Yeah, I'm not trying to like, you know, crap on either. I'm saying they're both going to be unreal. If the one who, you know, went late, later is being unreal, I don't think the other one's gotten same, quite same chance in Calgary yet. So, yeah, we're gonna, I think we're going to have to be a uh, remember it. Thank you, Chris. You know, I'm always right. You know, you don't need to tell me in the group <laughs> chat, but in the chat, but thank you. Guys, um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not even joking when I say this. Those two remind me of the of the NHL's version of Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Just give it a couple years. Except for on two different teams. Poor parents. The good news is they could potentially meet in the Grey Cup against one another. Then what? Well, the Not likely. Is in the way? Nah. Excuse me. The Grey Cup is still coming to the family home. Just, you know, one conversation didn't go, didn't go better than the other. Uh, meanwhile, uh, his brother was in action uh, in this game with a 17-3 Stampeder victory over the Red Blots. And guys, I may have said this, and I watched it at the cabin, and I, you know, I was on holidays, and I couldn't help but turn the TV on. But guys, I couldn't tell if this was a watchable game or just much of a beautiful mess. So, Ryan, help me sort through this. Calgary, not impressive. Ottawa, mm, yeah, leaves a lot to be desired. Are you surprised and did you suspect Calgary maybe played down to the level of their opponent a little bit, except for a certain individual? Well, this was the worst game of the season thus far across the board, I think. Like, I watched the majority of this game, and there was very little exciting about it. Uh, it was a game with some good fantasy potential as well that just crapped on everybody's weeks, uh, regardless of which quarterback you took from this game. Uh, I mean, when your winning quarterback in the game is Bo Levi Mitchell at 48.1% completion percentage for 137 yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception. Like, I had high hopes. I was pumped for this game. I did pick Ottawa to win this one. Yeah, that was a disaster. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um but, you know, they just came out flat. They got nothing going. This was not the Caleb Evans we were used to seeing the past couple of weeks, who actually was performing pretty well. Uh, he seemed a little bit like last year's Caleb Evans. They didn't get him running the ball. He only had two carries for six yards. He couldn't get the passing game going. A couple of fumbles, a couple of interceptions. Felt like his offensive line was struggling. Stampeder's defense was on him all night long, and... They forced some turnovers. Titus Wall, a great rookie over in Calgary, picked up two interceptions on this one. I think one went back for a touchdown. And, well, the rookie, uh, I think he's a rookie, Diedrich Mills stepping up at running back. Like, you point to those two guys as pretty much the two major reasons Calgary pulled out the win like they did in this game. But uh, it was an ugly one across the board, wasn't it, Trey? Yeah, I wasn't able to watch the whole game. What was it, like three field goals, a touchdown, and a ruse? Like, you know... Bo Levi couldn't even get a touchdown. The Calgary's um, 
running back who had a great game didn't even get a touchdown, right? You know, it was insane, you know. It, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Blue Bombers, like a little bit, you know, kind of that game where Caleros had seven completions, a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit more of a dumpster fire than that one was, but that same kind of thing. I, I'm I'm going to say it was Calgary playing down. I never had a doubt that Calgary wasn't going to win this game. I wasn't in doubt they were going to win by the five and a half or whatever it was. No doubt Bo Levi's going to, like, going to shut us all up you know he said he said wow Trey's Trey's on my team but Ryan isn't so we have to win this game somehow right so that's what Bo does and I'm gonna stop betting against Bo and unless they're playing the Bombers or maybe the line you know what I really want to talk about Wednesday when the Wednesday show BC and Calgary that's gonna be a game and you know we want to talk about Rourke in the Hall of Fame and we want to talk about what's going on like is Bo the old Bo or is he old folks Bo I think we'll find out next week, right, in that game. But for this one, yeah, I don't know what to do. You know, I think the big question is, are we going to say – I think we were talking about this in our group chat. We should we should honestly just make that live to the public so people always know what we're talking about. But is it Ottawa's personnel or is it coaching, guys? You know, is it a little bit of both? You know, for, you know, what do you guys think? Let's go to Mike. Mike, what do you think? Is it coaching or personnel? I'll, I'll jump in here, and I am – very, I gotta be careful because I said one thing on you know, the day after the game, and after more thought, I've kind of had a different realization. Um, I would be careful how I phrase this because we've seen, um, we've seen really good coordinators have really, really good careers and have number one offenses and number two offenses and be there for, you know, head coaching positions. And then these guys become head coach, and it's a completely different animal. Um, that being said, I don't know what to make of Ottawa just because they haven't really had a quarterback. No offense to Caleb Evans, who what I would consider to be upper S1. I think we're having a completely different scenario uh, with Jeremiah Mazzoli at quarterback. Um, and I'm looking at the CFL panel with a lot of egg on their face because if, if you watched, you know, the pregame show and the first half, all of this discussion was about Caleb Evans has turned the corner, Caleb Evans has turned the corner, and then he just completely phase plants. Um, there's no other way to say it. Uh, the one thing I am curious about with La Police, he gave Caleb Evans an awfully long leash for a game that was very winnable for the longest time. No offense to what Calgary did. Um, I think you have a completely different discussion if midway through the first quarter or second quarter, you realize your guy doesn't have it and you make that change a little bit earlier because we saw Ottawa have some chances late with Arbuckle and he really had to force the issue uh, with a couple turnovers. Now, whether it's a, you know, personnel issue, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I I said that Lapoli should not be fired this year. I agree with that in season. However, if things keep going like this toward the end of November or early November, 
I, I don't know if you have a, cho- a choice but to move on. Because one year is okay. Second year was supposed free agent overhaul, and it's still not working. Guys, the play calling to me was not very good. Uh, I was surprised. We've seen play calling from La Police that's much more in the the handoffs, the behind the back, you know, the trickery. There is no confidence in that offense right now to run anything like that. Um, the personnel is it La Police? I'm not sure. I I know I probably had a long rant but went nowhere. Um, maybe I'm just confused. Like, what is Ottawa? I had high expectations for them. They're quickly becoming a very, very big disappointment. And maybe this is the appropriate place for sad music. Well, I'll, I'll just jump in here on this as well. We got this question also about how long does Sean Burke keep Lapo around uh, on Twitter from uh, Scott Westman. And, uh, you know, I, I said it uh, I, all along. I think I've been saying, you know, maybe give, you give them the season, you give them time, all the whole new roster, give them time to gel. I'm actually starting to change my mind. And I feel like this is, if you're going to do something, this is the week to do it. They're on a bye week right now. You're still very much in the thick of things in the East Division. Like, uh, Paul Apolise, we've all said it all season long, Not doesn't have a great track record as a head coach. So then you start asking, do you think it's going to get better this season? And I don't know if it's going to. I, I'm, now, I'm now leaning towards the camp of, yeah, unfortunately, it's time to let him go. Now you have to... You have to manage the coach's cap here as well, which gets more tricky. So you're probably looking at an internal hire, maybe a Bob Dice taking over the the uh, head coaching role if it is. But you mentioned the play calling. Like, I think it was four seconds left before the first half ended, and they decided to punt the ball for some reason to Peyton Logan, on the other hand. Like, why are you not just running out the clock in situations like that? You mentioned the offensive game plan just hasn't been ticking properly there so far. I think Ottawa has all of the talent to succeed. And I think they have all of the talent to succeed, especially in the East division this year. I like what they have at quarterback. They have William Powell, great running back. If they use him properly, they have a good set of receivers. They have some playmakers on defense as well. And they have a a good offensive line. So uh, I think the talent is there. I think it's being underutilized. Is it chemistry? That's a problem still building throughout the season. I guess we will see. Is it coaching? I don't know, but maybe now's the chance to make a change. And, you know, like we've got Toronto and Hamilton going head to head week after week after week after week after how many more do I have to say here Uh, in the next little while, there's potential to move up the standings. So take your chance now, Ottawa, because I don't know how much better it's going to get if you stay the status quo coming out of the Bible. No, I, I, I agree. And, I think uh, <clears throat> can you give Hamilton a second round draft pick for Kari Jones? Like, is that a, is that allowed in CABA? Because or because you know you got to do something. And then after the bye, they have a back to back against Edmonton. And if there's one team in the West you want to face in a back to back right now, other than Saskatchewan, it's probably Edmonton, right? So you need to get something going. And yeah, you know, I had Ottawa doing the impossible and crossing over preseason. So how do you think I feel right now? You know, there it's. I don't even know what to talk about the East anymore, but 
I don't know. I think we were talking about the play calling. Well, I think Lapple got too too spoiled with the talent he had in Winnipeg a little bit, right? Where he could do a lot of those mixed misdirections and you guys like Harris and Dembski and, and Lawler and, you know, all guys like that who are, you know, physical, amazing athletes. And I'm not saying that, you know, key again, we're the three guys on a podcast, everyone on Ottawa, you know, could bench press us combined probably, but you know, they're not the same talent that Lapo has had in Winnipeg. And I want to see more out of Ottawa. I want to see more out of the East. So, you know, I don't know what you can do. That's stupid. I don't, we can have a whole show on this. I don't like the salary cap for coaching either, you know, because it puts you in a bind right now where you kind of forced to stick with a, a direction, you know, where usually coaching is the one thing teams can pay their way out of, right? If you can't with player personnel, but I don't know, something's got to change. But like we said, they're what still one game out of a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. One game out of a playoff spot. So is it really that bad? Mike? Yeah, you know what? The other thing I find really interesting, and I, and I had this comparison thrown to me to somebody that I was talking to. It wasn't on social media, but just just in a general conversation. And he floated me the question: How how close on a fair of a comparison is it to compare the Ottawa Red Bulls season to the Winnipeg Jets season this past year? And hysterically, I started <laughs> exactly what Trey was doing. And, well, it was explained to me like this. All the talent in the world, supposedly, Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, Hellebuck, and, and, and. And if you make the suggestion that, you know, Ottawa has all this world-class talent, is it also a possibility that this talent or too much of this talent is underperforming at the same time. That was generally the point that was made and why the comparison was made. Um, you guys are laughing at me. No, that's uh, a good comparison. And so, I just want, so I want some, to... some explanation would be required, please, because I'm, I'm curious. Well, I'm laughing because the, if we want to talk about dumpster fires, I could have a three-hour show on the Winnipeg Jets, man. Like, you know, I, I, I think the Eastern Division is less of a dumpster fire than the Winnipeg Jets, but maybe you could bring me on your hockey show in the fall and we could talk about that. But I want to compare. I think it's Ottawa mixed with Montreal because also Montreal fired a coach saying we need to fire a coach to get things going, and the Jets did that, or he resigned, whatever. And guess what? Nothing changed in Winnipeg, right? So it... it and that's why I'm laughing because, you know, it's great that you can compare the Winnipeg Jets to what's going on in the East Division right now. That's the perfect analogy everywhere, you know. And I don't know if I want to say Ottawa's got the same, you know, level of comparison of talent as the Jets, but I do like that comparison. Ryan? Yeah, I thought that I thought it was an interesting comparison as well. It's been well documented, the struggle of the Winnipeg Jets, and I see a lot of the same things you guys mentioned there. And, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully Ottawa can turn this around. Do we want to do we want to do what the hockey news did and project Ottawa Red Blacks Grey Cup champs like what three four years from now and uh, and see if that comes true? I think it's more likely uh, for a CFL prediction than than a hockey prediction. But uh, yeah, <laughs> step forward last week for Ottawa. Step back again this week for them. And coming out of the bye week, no idea what to expect. Well, guys, I think we're going to get a clear indication of the next two games against Edmonton because they're both big games for both teams. 
what who, I, I'll make it a bold prediction right here right now, even though it might not be that bold, because one of the teams is pretty much uh, out of it. But whoever loses, if somebody loses that bat to bat, they're done. Uh, like uh, Edmonton, they have a chance because the Saskatchewan is limping around right now, for lack of better terms. Um, sorry, Adam. I, I know I probably hurt your feelings and you're crying in the corner, but we can uh, deal with that uh, some other time. Um, but in, in fairness here, like, Edmonton has a chance to make the playoffs. Ottawa has a chance to make the playoffs. Both these teams should be looking at the game in the exact same way in that we have a chance to pull off a two-game win streak. Unless you're Victor Cooley and he says we're going to have a four-game win streak and his team completely turtles in the first game. I like the confidence. Uh, congrats uh, congrats uh, on owners that like to make proclamations. I just love it. But somebody's going to be disappointed in this two-game series. Somebody's going to use this as a springboard. More likely... It's just going to be a split. Battle of Ontario, round one of infinite, I guess, in the next five weeks, four of the next five weeks. These two teams will meet. My opening thought is, will anybody be around by game four? Or will they be calling in practice roster players to take the spot of injured players? Because to me, the story of this game was the physicality and the violence in this game. And it was going both ways. Uh, both teams were losing players. Uh, Braylon Addison, uh, the running back, Sean Thomas Erlington, took a couple big hits. We saw some kind of a running game from Hamilton, which was nice to see. But Chris Edwards had other ideas in the fourth quarter. And uh, ran back to pitch six. Guys, if the first game is any indication of these four out of the next five that these two teams play, four out of the next five weeks, is this television appointment viewing for both of you, Ryan? Well, you know, I've been pretty sour on the weird schedule here of four times in five weeks between these two teams because it seems excessive in a nine-team league to, to go and do that. Um, I guess it would seem more excessive in like a 30-team league, to be fair. Uh, but I don't know. Now part of me kind of turns around on it. I forget who the comment was from, but I really liked a comment I saw on Twitter that was like, if we want to go back to the hockey analogies here, we got a darn good Stanley Cup playoff rivalry going on. Four straight games here between these two teams. I know there's a bye week in the middle, but we're going to see a lot of gamesmanship where we have already seen two teams that hate each other. So, yeah, this could get a little bit ugly and that may make it either very interesting viewership or something I may not want to view. We'll see, uh, depending what direction that goes. But I think it's going to be interesting to see two teams that clearly hate each other, division rivals, you know, the chance if you can take three out of four of these to break yourself wide open out there in the East Division. I think we're going to see a, a lot here from these two clubs in the next couple of weeks. So 
I don't know. I'm turning around. I'm kind of excited to uh, tune in and, and see how this bounces back week after week. Might be a little tough to come up with new storylines to talk about on our preview show for each of them, but uh, I, I think the games themselves are going to give us a ton to recap here each of these weeks, as this one did. Trey? Oh, yeah, I agree, and I like your analogy, or I was even thinking like a four-game weekend series in baseball, right? You know, you're going to see it the same team Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're going to be sick of each other, but, you know, that's CFL football right now until we get that Schooners team in there or whatever team ends up coming. But, uh, you know, yeah, it, we're, we can all complain about scheduling. We all know how difficult it can be with nine teams, you know. Uh, I'm not good at math, but I don't think nine's divisible by two. So, you know, things weird things can happen. The game itself, though, was not bad. You know, again, it was one of those games that, you know, Toronto was down at half. What did I say? Almost every game this week was kind of a snoozer till half, and then everything comes alive. And who would have thought that Toronto would miss another couple kick or was it an extra point, and then they still end up winning? You know, I don't know what to think about the East, but, you know, we said Toronto, these guys see each other three three times over the next four weeks, and one of them sees Calgary. I think it was Toronto. You know, it's a lot of games in there that, you know, if Toronto can go 4-0 and in that, that's huge. And now Hamilton's thinking at least to go 2-2, two and two, if not 3-1 and one in the series, right? So, and that this could be the tie break, right? Who hosts, uh, who hosts the game in, um, who hosts the game in November, right? It could be the tie break uh, scenario. So, you know, it's more than just a couple of wins in the series. It could be the difference between a, uh, 7,000 people at BMO Field are a sold-out Ivor Wind in November, right, guys? So it's, uh, well, I guess BMO would probably still be sold out with the Tiger Cat fans coming down the around the lake. But it, it could be a big switch uh, change, right, uh, Mike? Hang on, I gotta give you, I gotta give you credit here, Trey, because at halftime of this football game, you you were the one who went out and said that a big Argos second half comeback was coming, and it sure darn did. So uh, kudos to you on this one. Mike? What else was I supposed to say? I picked them in my in my in my point spread. Was I supposed to say they're going to roll over and die? No, no, no. Was was that? And I'm and I'm curious now. Did you see something in the game that prompted you to say that, or was that just an off the wall comment? Um, I have to say that for betting purposes. No, for betting purposes, my girlfriend likes to say I have a horseshoe up my ass. Like that's my betting thing, where I just always somehow come out on top. I've never went thirteen and three in my life, but I join a podcast and say I'm a betting expert. Now I go thirteen and three, right? I've never went had perfect weekends in CFL, NFL, any kind of football, and I've had two or three now, right? It's just how I. It's just I. I um, I have confidence. I don't know where it comes from, but I just ooze confidence and cockiness. And I said, you know what? No, Toronto's not going to lose this game because I picked them to win. That's all it was, Mike. That's all it was. Okay, so let, let's talk about this quickly in a, in a couple of parts. Yes, no, rapid fire from both of you so you can uh, turn turn your microphones on if you want because uh, all of these are basically rapid. Are we concerned about Hamilton based on what we saw this week, Ryan? I'm concerned they're not going to be able to field a roster next week, yeah, with all the injuries. Trey? Uh, no, because um, the East is not – like, they're still going to be second probably, so no. How much are we talking about the loss of Braylon Addison as being important? Either one of you can take this one. It's key – and, and because he is one of their go-to receivers, but he also missed most of last season. And that's where we saw Steven Dunbar. That's where we saw Tim White, guys like that step up in that offense. So 
yeah, it's a loss. I'm not going to deny Braylon Addison has huge impact in that offense, but I think they've got other guys in that receiving core that can step up big time here. Again, we don't know his status, but it appears Andrew Harris may have hurt his hand at the tail end of the game. Trey, how much of a concern would that be for Toronto? Uh, I'm going to say not too much because they don't go to him enough or more. And this is all a joke, but he'll just do another shot of whatever came up in that test a few years ago, and he'll be fine, right? True that. True that. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't advocate for anybody else to do that. That was no, uh, no. It's all you know. I'm not too concerned. Like I said, when it comes to Toronto, they need Harrison Banks and guys like that for November, right? You know, it's it's they're gonna eke out wins, and Hamilton's got a lot of band aids too. So you know, it's it's the next man up. We see it in Winnipeg. We see it in a lot of the West teams. Someone gets hurt, next guy up. No concern. Last thing, guys, that meant that win meant a lot. The one Brandon Banks. Uh, if you looked at his Twitter account after the game, uh, he was fairly motivated. Everybody was expecting the game of the week at the Lions Den. Well, enter the Lions Den and get mauled was what happened to the Edmonton Elks. Uh, maybe should have seen this coming because I seem to have forgotten about the week one matchup. Between the two teams, uh, two turnovers for Edmonton early on, and then the Nathan Wark, Dominic Grimes, Nathan Wark, whatever wide receiver you want to put here, Lucky Whitehead, uh, Brian Burnham, Katoy. That's a lot of toys to play with. Um, that's like pitching. Standing back and went, hmm, which one do I want today? Hmm. Well, Nathan Wartz, Hall of Fame campaign manager, is likely sitting to my left. So I'm going to let him break down this Dunedin-esque performance, at least for the first half, from Nathan Wartz. Yeah, we're talking about one of the most accurate passing games in CFL history. And I'm talking about uh, punter Stefan Flintoff going one for one for one yard for the BC Lions. No, of course, uh, well, technically he was more accurate. Nathan Rourke, 34 of 37. Are you kidding me? 477 yards. Are you serious? And yeah, oh yeah, five touchdowns. Forgot to mention that part. Uh, like, this is insane. I've been saying this whole Hall of Fame thing as a complete joke every week. And it's still a joke, right? Like, it's not happening until way in the future. But, I mean, he if he keeps pulling this off, either A, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, or B, this is his last year in the CFL because he's going down south to the NFL. Like, Nathan Rourke is the story. Like, he is the story of the CFL this season. I think there's no doubt about it. Go back to everything I said about the Lions preseason and the offseason that this is either going to, they're going to go on to win the Grey Cup this year or this is going to blow up miserably in their faces. But I loved the move. I love taking a chance on it. And it's working wonderfully for them. And it's so exciting, though, just see it. Like, we have, I don't think we've seen talent come out of nowhere like this in, in the CFL, at least in my lifetime. And he's only nine games. This was his ninth start in the CFL, which is absurd. Um, he clearly loves playing the Elks. I think he has 16 touchdowns against them in three games in his career, uh, both passing and rushing. And uh, 
it kind of got to a point where the game was getting out of hand and then it led us to the conversation of why the heck is he still out there playing? I think they could have pulled Rourke at and probably should have pulled him at halftime in this game. They're darn lucky he didn't get injured late in this one. Uh, Trey, what do you make of this? Oh, I had a thought. Where did it go? Oh, yeah, they scored no points in the fourth and they still scored 46 points in the game. Like, what is that? And they only scored nine in the third quarter. You know, that's un- unreal. Again, it was another game that was close at the end of the first quarter, only 14-7. And yes, Chris, in the chat, I do remember you saying they'd win by 30. And if I, I don't believe I said anything to it, but the only reason I didn't think they would is because I thought they'd pull their quarterback when they're up by 25 points. And then they would never score another point. But, you know, at the same time, what is he, 24? Yeah, you you don't want to risk anything. But I did like what the coach said. He's 24 he needs reps too. I understand that. And, you know, after that, what were they just handing it off in quick passes? You know, they, they weren't doing anything where he's standing in the pocket for three, four, five seconds. He wasn't running it himself. Other than he does the second, he does the short yardage, I think, doesn't he? So he was out there. Oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, does he? Okay, does he? Okay. Because he was out there for that. And I was like, ooh, maybe not that. Because, you know, we saw Deron Carter put a shoulder down. And, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying anyone on Edmonton's dirty, but it is football. I, uh, you know, if you played football and you get in one of those pileups, guys grab ankles on purpose or by accident. Guys grab things. It, it, you know, it happens. It's football. So, you know, it's a very interesting choice. Um, but I want to talk about Edmonton. We were talking about this a little earlier. Edmonton's interesting. So they play Saskatchewan this week, and then they play back to back against Ottawa, and then, and not over that time, Saskatchewan plays who did i see here back to back against bc and a back to back against winnipeg so this is edmonton's chance right if they can win somehow blow up a saskatchewan and somehow you know even win one against ottawa saskatchewan you're telling me saskatchewan's gonna win how many games against bc and winnipeg over the next four weeks and you know i'm not trying to be down on saskatchewan but like let's be real a four and four team against a what eight and oh and or nine and oh and a seven and one, like you know, this is Edmonton's shot, so they got to get something going over the next few weeks. And I'm going to be interested in that because, oh boy, I don't want to be Adam in Ryderville if uh, Edmonton passes them somehow. But uh, yeah, but all aboard the Rourke train. And if you don't believe he's going south of the border next year, you're one of those CFL fans that look down at the NFL too much. He's gonna. This this is the guy where you need to get some you know uh, Tampa Bay cap uh, cap uh, maneuvering going or something here because you got to keep him in the league. Oh, Ambrosi himself should pay him five million a year to stay up here, right? Or some the league needs to do something. You go get him a deal with old Dutch chips and put him on every bag or put him on CFL Madden when it comes out and give him some sponsorship deals to keep him up here because ooh man he could get three four five million holding the clipboard. From, November, uh, from September to February for some team, you know, and that's enticing, you know. It, yes, he looks like a guy who wants to play. Yeah, he doesn't have social media. He keeps doing the right things and the right things and the right things. But you tell anyone, any football player, would you want to play for the BC Lions or New England Patriots or Detroit Lions or Oakland or Las Vegas Raiders? think they're going to take the team south of the 49 parallel, 99 out of 100. So, yeah, this guy, you got to lock him up somehow. But isn't this the whole reason you should be resting him earlier in the game and going out to, uh, you know, put Michael O'Connor in there as your backup is because, like, it's very obvious that Nathan Rourke is likely has a shot to go south next year and you're going to need a quarterback 
Mike? Yeah, I don't know, guys. Like, to me, the CFL for once has a poster boy. Not to take anything away from anybody else that has been that marketing guy, kind of like Shohei Otani does in L.A. Um, Guys, this is a poster boy written all over it, and the CFL is about to realize one of its big problems. And that is retaining talent. And I like what Chris said about taking Nathan work over Drew Locke in Seattle. Uh-huh. Uh, I could subscribe to that theory as well. The other thing, guys, this is getting publicity in the States for the CFL. I heard an interview. I think it was Nathan Ward with his college uh, football network there at Ohio, uh, talking about the game after the game. Um, this is not just the Canadian story here. I saw it on some American sites about, hey, did you see what that guy did but used to go to Ohio University did? 34 out of 37 in accuracy and slinging the ball around like he's playing catch in the yard. Well, not quite like that, but it made the world take notice. And the CFL needs to find a way to keep them here. And I think, I think it was Trey that said this a couple weeks ago, there needs to be that one player that, certain, that you're allowed to circumvent the cap for. If there wasn't ever a case for it, it's right now. Um, guys, I am so excited for your show on Wednesday because I want to hear what you have to say about Calgary and BC. But as I'll warn you before, we've had a lot of games with a lot of dead records and they turned out to be pretty dull. And Bo Levi better be on his game because Rourke is going to come and throw the ball around the yard. And if if he can't keep up, that game will be over before it starts. Well, if I could just jump in, I'm looking at lines right now, and on BetStamp, our new sponsor, they have different odds that have both team favored between Calgary and BC. There's uh, some that have uh, BC by 0.5 and Calgary by 0.5, and some have BC by one. So it's even even the odd makers can't agree. Usually you don't see that. Usually you have a little point difference, but yeah, they're jumping back and forth between who's going to win that game next week. Uh, but you know. Talk about Nathan Work. Even we just stop it. Forget about the Canadian thing. How many? How how often has a twenty-four-year-old come in and blown up like this? And then you add the Canadian thing on top of that, right? So this is a huge marketing chip. And like I said, if you can't keep this, like, it's one thing if BC loses them to another team in the CFL. Like, yeah, the Lions fans, I'd be mad. But as a league, I would be shooting ourselves in the foot if we lost them. And oh, please don't lose them to the XFL or something like that. Because that's a league, too, that maybe will, you know, say, screw the salary cap to get a guy in like Nathan Rourke or a talent like that, too, right? So, oh, if you're losing them, it better be to the NFL. You'd better not be losing them to the XFL and uh, the Rock there. That that would be catastrophic. But, you know, Mike, tune in. I, I, I don't even know who I'm going to pick in that game right now. So, you know, a lot of meditation, uh, you know, for the next few days. Right, Ryan? 
Yeah, I, I think I know which way I'm leaning in that game, but I'm very excited to see how that one plays out. And we, you can't just talk about Rourke as the only guy when they win 46-14 in a football game, right? Like, uh, James Butler actually had a pretty quiet day rushing. It was all passing game here. Uh, Dominic Rimes with three touchdowns. Like, Rimes is having a heck of a season. He leads the league in touchdowns now at this point. Burnham back in the lineup. That's huge for BC. Like, defensively they did a ton of amazing things in this game like a bunch of sacks on the board a couple interceptions forced fumble like across the board this was a beat down and yeah Nathan Rourke is the flashy story out of all of it but this is a very very good BC Lions team thus far this season and uh you know we'll get into this more as the weeks go along but I think a lot of us have been saying that Winnipeg is going to be in a position to rest players in the final couple of weeks because they're going to be so far ahead of the standings that they're going to have first place wrapped up by then i'll make the claim right now i think the final two weeks of the season are going to decide first place in the west between winnipeg and bc when they play head-to-head i expect this to be a lions team that wins the majority of their games this season i don't think this is slowing down anytime soon will they hit a dud game here and there yeah everybody pretty much does uh along the way but the more more than not, this is a good football team across the board. They did great things this offseason, and, and they're coming out here to deliver. I have a question then. Sorry, did you say those last two games would determine first place? Yes. You, then why would Winnipeg rest their starters? Oh, exactly. They, I don't think they will be. Oh, That's sorry, what I'm okay, saying. Sorry. Yeah. I misheard you. I thought you said you were going to rest. I'm like, if it's for first, they better not be. If I'm going to that game in BC and, and Claris is on the bench and they give up first, that, you know, you want to piss off the 30,000 Winnipeg fans. That's how to do it. So I misheard you. There we go. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I do not think, like, I think a lot of people are expecting the Bombers to rest people in those final couple of weeks. But I don't think we get there because I think BC is going to be right up there with them in the standings. Guys, I think to be honest, too, the Bombers' rest, quote unquote, is built into their schedule. They basically overcame the worst of their schedule this week. No offense to anybody else. Six of the nine games remaining are at home. Three buys thrown in there. So, potentially working your way to a fourth buy right now. And, and a fun, fun doubleheader with BC to end the season. I'm so excited for that. I hope, I hope that is that those are games where both teams uh, start you their know, players. Ryan and I, I hate to disagree with you to an extent, but I'm going to kind of have to. I cannot see what I think is more likely to happen is Winnipeg falls back to the pack which I think makes those last two games against BC interesting. Personal preferences, I cannot see, I cannot see BC winning sustainably to keep up and make those first place games meaningful. The thing that I think is playing in BC's mind right now is those three games, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan. Those are going to mean absolutely everything for the people to the west of us. Maybe not so much other than pride for the Blue Bombers. Let's paint a scenario where Saskatchewan wins two of those three against Winnipeg. Do I see that happening? Probably not, but it's a rivalry and we've seen what 
500 and one half of the rivalry does, and the team that's in first place does with those types of teams. The door is open for BC to get into this race for first place, but it's not necessarily them winning out the rest of the way. Now, there's a chance here for Winnipeg to fall back to the path. The way it's set up right now, BC is what, 6-1 and one and Winnipeg is 9-0? and oh. That's an awful lot of pressure to win those games in hand. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Could but you, I, sorry, okay. could you imagine sixteen and old bombers versus the fifteen and one BC Lions in like week eighteen, nineteen, twenty? There, that would be unreal, and that would be the only way Winnipeg has a shot of going undefeated because you'd have to start your starters. Like, could you imagine? And that would be the biggest thing to be like well, one division, right? Then- you can't have a BC team go almost undefeated and finish second. Yeah, and then you have that debate of, let's say, you know, 15 and 3, 14 and 4, West Final. Now you're going to have people really up in arms because on the other side, that's probably not a matchup that can, you know, live up to the light of day. And that might be the Drake Cup in the conference finals. And if I'm Winnipeg, I want that team at home, uh, not the least of which being the weather. But, again, time will tell. Uh, That brings up an interesting point I just want to bring up. Have we seen Nathan Rourke play in the cold? Because, you know, he's got a stadium, and Ohio isn't the coldest place in the world. So I wonder what happens there in, you know, October, November in uh, Winnipeg slash Saskatchewan, right? That's interesting. Eight touchdowns. Let's, I want to be a thing, but you know what I mean? You know, he could be a perfect player, but then, you know, you take away the pass game in the cold and yes, they have a run game. Yeah. They have a huge run game and, and he runs, but you know, slippery, watch him twist something, you know? Yeah. You know, that cold in Winnipeg in November and October could be interesting for him. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Right. And I'll let you jump in here, here in one second. I just want to, I, I just want to bring something up as well. Um, I have concerns with Saskatchewan based on the schedule. And it's not because I'm a, I'm, I'm a rider. You know, I'm supposed to hate the riders because I'm a Bomber fan. Realistically, two left with BC, three left with Winnipeg. If you go one and four in that scenario, you might be turning out the lights on your playoffs in the West for sure. But in the East, you might have yourself a chance. The other thing that I would kind of want to consider here is people in Ryderville are up in arms about the last three games in particular. No better way to shut the credits than go on a dead run against BC and, and Winnipeg. So that that that's kind of... The two-edged sword here. I have thoughts on Edmonton, but I'll let Ryan jump in here for a minute. Yeah, I want I want to talk about Edmonton more here as well. So I, I'll go over there because that's who the Riders play next week, I believe it is, right? So it kind of ties into what you were mentioning there. Ah, oh, Edmonton. Every time you think they take a step forward, they play BC. Uh, it seems right, like. Like, they can just not play a consistent game against BC. It seems maybe Chris Jones' defense is getting it together, and then they deliver this performance. And 
when Chris Jones originally signed a four-year contract and say he was going to stick around for the four years, I think he was ready to leave at halftime, pack it up and go home. Like, uh, <laughs> you could tell Jones was not happy the entire night long. I'm sure we're going to see, we saw a number of cuts during the bye week. I'm sure we're going to see a number more this week. Uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable or secure it in my job there if I'm anybody on the Elks right now based on the way they've played the past couple of weeks. And it just seemed like nothing going right. This game was out of hand pretty quickly into the second quarter. The offense, you know, just didn't get a whole lot going. The defense couldn't make a stop no matter what. Uh, And it just tailed into the second half and looked like there was no effort all the way around in this one. So I don't know if there's too much. I don't know if Elks fans even want us to talk about how their team did in this game, to be honest, because there's not all, I really, I'm sorry to say, I don't have a highlight of this game for the Elks here at all. Like there's maybe it's that Darrell Walker seemed to have a good game coming back from injury, but uh, Taylor Cornelius was the leading rusher with 13 yards. Uh, Nobody really had a fantastic outing. It was a rough game for Edmonton and the, you know, the door was open for them to have a chance to get back into it in the West after Saskatchewan's last three losses. And well, they dropped this done. The highlight for me guys, and I think this should serve a memorandum for Chris Jones, constantly changing the back end of your defense game in and game out. Doesn't help. He's had so many different configurations on the back end of that defense that I think it throws his own team into a state of chaos. Granted, they probably haven't figured out who they like at certain positions back there. So, I don't know, guys. I don't know if we shouldn't expect any different when all these roster changes are being made week after week after week. Um, do I think they should be made? Yeah, but it's a big problem as to why the Elks aren't having success long-term. Guys, I thought Taylor Canarius was the best player on the field for Edmonton. Uh, he gave his team a puncher's chance in a game that wasn't very close. Um, the game plan really got thrown out the window by halftime when you're down by 30, whatever you were down there. But, guys, there's a lot to like about Taylor Canarius. Spoiler alert, I'm considering taking him in fantasy. Well, you know, I want to talk about Chris Jones, though. We're, we're talking as if he doesn't isn't an expert at football. Like, yeah, we can say what he, about him. But we're looking at the schedule. Like we said, they have one against Saskatchewan and two against Ottawa when Saskatchewan has the two toughest teams in Lake BC and Winnipeg. Chris Jones somehow manages to win through two or three, you know, beats Saskatchewan and, and sweeps Ottawa. Like, you know, they're they're fourth and they have the crossover potentially, right? You know, in Saskatchewan, oh I I can't see Saskatchewan going two and two. Yeah, they might split the bombers, but they're not gonna split BC and the bombers, I don't think. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a down on Chris Jones. Like, yeah, he's he's gonna do whatever he needs to do and he's gonna reconfigure it and then he's gonna get a win and maybe against Saskatchewan and get a win against Ottawa and be in that crossover spot and he's gonna sit, see. Stick to the plan. It's going to work out. We have a playoff spot. You know what I mean? And and Chris Jones is, you know, maybe maybe he won't be here for the four years, but I think he's going a little bit the long game here, a little bit more than let's win now. He wants to see what works. 
And like I said, he's got a couple of games here against some teams that they do have a chance against a winning. And and I, I'm not as down on Edmonton as, you know, yeah, they're okay, they're two and whatever, but they're in the West Division, and the West Division in the CFL is like the AL East in baseball, right? Like it's insane, and or the or the NL West, like you know, it's teams that beat up on each other, like the Dodgers, Padres, and and uh, the other one I can't think of it right now, the Giants. There we go. You know, teams that just beat up on each other. And and whoever comes out of it's going to be your Great Cup winner or your World Series winner, right? And and Edmonton's just unfortunately is the uh, whatever teams in the NL West that sucks, like Arizona. You know what I mean? And they could be a good team, and they could sweep. You know, they could swing in at the end and get a wild card spot. And you never know what happens, right? So I'm not too down on Edmonton. The next few weeks will be telling, I think. My concern, and I guess it could be a positive though too, is that. Uh, you know, most of the games down the stretch are divisional matchups. They haven't won a game against the West Division yet. They've got two wins against the East, but they haven't been able to win those games. So if you can't deliver on those, you're not going to make your way up the, the standings. If they can turn it around and all of a sudden put it together, well, then that's the other side of the sword, right? It gives them a chance to make their way easily up the, the standings a little bit. So we'll see what's coming up here down the stretch for Edmonton, Mike. One really quick comment before we move on to, to the, the betting segment of the show. Uh, it's it's uh, Adam's comment, and he said, All I know is a frustrated Jones makes Rider happy Rider fan. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Um, there's a German word, and Ryan, you might know what this is. It's Schadenfreude. People have a lot of that, and it's taking joy in the misfortune of others is the best is the best English definition. I don't know why, but Ryder fans have a lot of Schadenfreude when it comes to uh, to, to Chris Jones. And it's time for our uh, everybody's favorite segment of the show, where the jury comes out as far as our betting picks. Yeah, our, uh, our betting uh, results this week are brought to you by BetStamp. There's so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games. Uh, how do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you the info you need at no additional cost. All you do is you pull up a game on the app, see the odds offered by each of their different sports book affiliates for that game, uh, and Place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you are making. Find some odds you like. You can sign up straight through their bet stamp bet link page. And if you want some extra insight before you place your wagers, uh, you can see what experts around the around the field are picking on each game as well. You can find us, the Canadian Football Countdown. I think you can find Trey over there as well on the commission-free bet stamp marketplace. See our picks that we make on our preview show every week. And through the BetStamp verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds uh, others have picked on are verified and legitimate. Visit BetStamp.app today or download the free apps from the App Store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp for free. And uh, best of luck with your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly. Now we turn things over to the resident betting expert of the Canadian Football Countdown, Trey. We had a wager this week on this one, you and I. I challenged you for the title here. Say, if I could beat you in betting this week, I would get the title. Well, over to you. It's still you, man. Well, 
<laughs> yeah, you got me in fantasy though. So I think that we have our titles right, and uh, and uh, Mike's the Mike's the key holder, and Adams the farmer who talks to gophers and everything to get his picks right. But you know, real quick, let's talk about Betstamp. I really like this app. So taking a quick look here, since we joined, um, the show is five and three because you because we go on collective basis, and you and Adam always go the same. So it, I don't even matter what I say. And, and technically, you guys got the show's got an 18.4% return on investment. So we're making money, right? That's the main point, making money. And if I look at myself, ooh, six and two, 43% return on investment. Uh, if I, I do $25 bets on here, so net $86 if you followed me along. So, you know, don't bet the farm, but, you know, put a little bit of down and you're making some coffee money. But going to the actual picks, ah, First game of the week, we all took Winnipeg minus five and a half over Montreal. I was nervous at halftime. I didn't know what was going on, but I should have known Janarian Grant would get a 55-yard or 60-yard punt return and the defense would take over. We all got that one right. You guys actually agreed with me on one, but I guess it's hard to go against an undefeated team. Now, the bet. this is where the bet all started from, the Friday night game. Ryan had the great idea that Ottawa – was not only going to cover, but they were going to outright win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Can we take them off the screen for a second? No, they didn't do that. Again, it was an interesting game. Uh, you guys took plus five and a half. I took Calgary minus five. What can I say? Uh, you don't bet against Bo. I don't know why you guys try, but whatever. We digress. But, you know, going to the first game on Saturday, you followed along me, Ryan. Adam. Uh, I don't know what those gophers are smoking in Saskatchewan. They said Hamilton is going to cover plus two and a half. That's basic, close enough to a pick them. Again, Toronto, the Boatmen, they, uh, another game that was kind of close at halftime and had me a little bit shaken. But like I said in our group chat, second half comeback, boys. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So at this point, I went 3-0. and Ryan's 2-1. and Adam. Unfortunately, one and two at this point, but we all did fine. We all took BC minus 10. And like Chris says, he took it plus 30 and we or minus 30, and we should have taken it minus 30. Wonder how much that would have paid off. And the BC Lions won that one handily. So we do have a new person in second place, though, in the standings. Ryan moves up to 20 and 15 on the season. Uh, Adam, 19 and 16, still making money, but that 500 line is a creeping. So, you know, I hope that he doesn't have to sell the tractor to pay off some of these gambling debts if he, uh, you know, keeps this way going. And uh, the resident betting expert, 22 and 13, 13 and 3 in the last four weeks, boys. Never been done before by me. Like I says, I, I've never had a perfect weekend. I think I've had two or three since joining the show. I love it. You know, I have actually had to try and think about it a little bit now. And uh, yeah, and if I had my horse racing uh, winnings today, it's actually not a bad weekend. I'll take it. You can't make this up that the week I defer the guy, me, who knows nothing about betting, tries to wager Trey for the title of resident betting expert. And of course, of course, he would go 4-0 on the week. And uh, if I've learned anything this week, it's two things. Uh, one, okay, sorry, three things. Never disagree with Trey. Um, if I make a bet with Trey, I'm never going to rely on the Ottawa Red Blacks to deliver me the victory in that bet ever again. 
And the third thing that uh, I truly don't understand the spread, and I really should agree with you guys, because on that BC-Edmonton game, I was leaning Edmonton, uh, but only took BC because I know how inadequately inept I am at picking the spread. So uh, I'm happy I listened to you guys on that one. Yeah, you know, and we're going to have a good week. You know, I was kind of telling you guys about some of the opening lines, a big one opened up Winnipeg Montreal I think it was 13 points you know hopefully that gets a little smaller by Thursday Toronto and Hamilton was almost a pick em. BC Calgary was almost a pick em. and I texted Adam in our group chat Saskatchewan's favored by six I don't know about that one you know yeah they came off a bye you know yes Chris you never who told you to bet on the, no one better bet on Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving I'm sorry that is the stupidest thing you could ever do if there's one thing to bet the farm on, it's probably the Detroit Lions winning on Thanksgiving. No, I'm just kidding. Don't ever do that. Um, oh, man, I'm excited for NFL betting, too. But, you know, different show, different show. Maybe I'll have to talk to our college guy, Brandon, and get some college NFL going. But, you know, I'm excited, guys. It's been a good time, but I don't know if I can do it again this week. This weekend looks tough. But I said that last weekend, so I don't know. <laughs> I'd have the TV network if you boys want to do that said show. Get a hold of me. Uh, something I've been looking at for a while. Um, really quickly, just to move on for our other fantasy leads. Uh, somebody else will have a very good week here shortly. Uh, in the CFL, CFPN podcast fantasy lead, Ryan has defeated Trey in CFC Civil War version 3. Uh, Ryan improves to 8-1 and one, while Trey falls five and four did uh did point correction come out yet so that's official you know it is i know i don't know about cfl i know point correction doesn't happen till tuesday in the nfl right so <laughs> are you asking for a recount of the votes here trey <laughs> uh the other one is adam defeats mike from potsy wee wee and improves to four and five you can follow all the results on twitter at cf cfl pod fantasy on Twitter, check all the other great podcasts involved. I I, want to mention, so I I beat Trey in that. So our other wager last week on the preview show was uh, Uh Trey decided we're challenging one another in fantasy this week. And if Trey beats me, he gets to lead the fantasy segment on this Wednesday's show. I beat Trey by the what? Two points this week. And it is the luckiest win I have ever had in CFL fantasy. Like, I took Caleb Evans. I took Jalen Acklin. Those both dropped duds. Those were both useless for me. Uh, I originally had Keon Hatcher in the Argos defense in my lineup. I decided last minute to switch it for Kyle Oxley in the Lions, and Loxley only put up a point or two. Literally all Trey needed was a Keon Hatcher catch in the second half of the football game to beat me. And Nathan Rourke in his 400-and-something-yard passing game decided to go to every other receiver in the lineup. Fantasy football is just dumb sometimes. One thing, and then I'll see myself out about this. Trey, you are the resident betting expert. Ryan, you are the resident expert at overthinking. Done. I'll see myself out. It's true. It's true. Um... You I know, thought I had you with that running back, though, man. That that last second Edmonton switch, I threw that guy in, the lead leader or lead day, or however you say it. And then he was not, he didn't even go on the field in the second half either. I needed him to get a carry. And yeah, how do you not throw to Hatcher in 30 minutes of football? Like, 
I'm just losing my mind. It's a, it's eleven min eleven to midnight, whatever time in in my apartment. I'm sure my neighbor, I, my neighbor's a cool guy. Uh, I'm glad that uh, he doesn't uh, call. I hear him yelling, playing at the video games. He hears me yelling about fantasy and point spreads, right? So it's a good relationship at my apartment here in Winnipeg. But man, that was the most NFL-like fantasy I've ever had. I never really paid attention too close. I'm doing math. I'm doing counting. It was unreal, man. But Ryan, you got me, man. But you know, two point. I think it was two point four or two point five, something like that. Footsteps. I'll see you at the playoffs, baby. I'll see you in playoffs. Great matchup. Great matchup all the way around. It was a fun it, one this it, week. It Trey. reminds me of being in a Pitham NFL pool. Quick story. And there was that Monday night football game that involved somebody. And I needed a touchdown at the last minute. I think it involved the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen fumbled on the two-yard line to to uh, uh, diminish my pool winnings for that week. So that's that's my extent of feeling you guys' pain uh, from time to time. Um, kind of talking about pain, this has to be brought up in our CFL's uh, CFC podcast podcast lead that we have. Uh, week nine totals are in. Trey had 43.1 points. Adam had 51.6 points this week. Ryan had 97.6. Almost most of which was off the back of Nathan Ward. I had the week high total of 115.7. Fairly large performances from Dominic Grimes. Uh, Calgary Stamps defense and Dalton shown if my memory serves me correctly. Um, you guys have thoughts and opinions before I run through the overall total where there has been a bit of a shift. I just want to tell you guys and Adam, uh, Zach Caleros is available for the next uh three years of first round draft picks. That's that's my price right now. Um, Mike, you know, could be negotiated, but I think we're in selling mode right now. So, you know, you got a couple first round draft picks and you want to go all in this year, Zach Claros and a couple other guys are on the table. Just so you guys know. As, as, as the official owner of Nathan Rourke in our fantasy league, this is a keeper league, right? Right, guys? Keeper league for next year? I just want to see draft picks next year, guys. Like I, it's going to be. Oh, look, Trey's picking again. Oh, Trey, you're up. Oh, Trey, you're up for the next three, four, five years right now. Because uh, I won't bet the farm, but I'll sell the farm to you guys right now. I I would probably make that deal for two first rounders, but not three, Trey. Well, I'll uh, get back to you on that. I'm still looking for a fairly reliable quarterback. Ah, uh, but that can be said. And by the way, I have offered you multiple trades, which you have turned down. <laughs> Nobody tries harder to make a trade than Mike, okay? Mike tries. Every week, Mike's out here putting up new trade offers out there. Nobody's yet to accept them. You gotta start somewhere, right? My difficulty is such a high. My difficulty is Wait, what? But my difficult my trade difficulty set the high. If you guys have ever played Monopoly in me, I am the worst right. guy to play against because you land. If you, I'll get the blues. I'll get Boardwalk in the other one, guys. Like a hundred percent, and no, you're done. <laughs> it's done. Season totals quickly. Ryan at eight hundred and seventy point eight. I have moved into second place at seven hundred and seventy six point five. 
Adam is in third place at sorry, 763.6, and Trey is last at 587.2. Sad trombone music. That, that's, I'm swimming in all that money I'm making, boys. I'm swimming in all that money. It doesn't matter. I can't hear you. Can, you can't hear nothing in that pool right now. I'm like Scrooge McDuck. That's all. And I, I, just, got, I got to laugh at the comment here from so, yeah, so yeah, Adams yeah. here in the YouTube chat and says Mike wins the CFC fantasy this week. Ryan wins in the uh, CFL podcast fantasy Civil War. Trey wins money in betting, and I win because the Riders didn't play this week. From our resident rider fan himself. That's excellent. Uh, quickly, guys, let's move on. As uh, soon as I can get my screen to function to players of the week, uh, I'll just do Adam's player of the week really quickly. Uh, he chose Dominic Rhymes. Rhymes, Rhymes. For nine catches on nine targets for 91 yards and three touchdowns. Not much more needs to be said about that performance. And the amazing part, all of those three touchdowns were in the first quarter. My player of the week, a little bit off the board. I went with Cam Phillips of the Toronto Ardenauts. Eight catches, 85 yards, one touchdown, a 21.3-yard average. These guys did not see my pick anyway prior to the show, so this is news to them. Uh, yeah, no, that's my pit for player of the week. Ryan, we should have seen this coming. You didn't need to be first in the chat. We always know that as the Nathan Ward Hall of Fame campaign manager, I'm going to get you to gush about your player of the week for another minute, just one last time. Yeah, well, I had to uh, send it super quick because I saw Adam typing earlier today. And ain't nobody going to take Nathan Rourke from me for Player of the Week. He's been my Player of the Week three times, I think, now this season. And I expect many more to come. And he continues to play better and better every single time. Five touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground, 477 yards, I think, broke his previously set record for most passing yards in a game by a Canadian. 91% completion percentage i think that's third best in cfl history uh if you didn't end up somewhere on these players of the week i think we could just cancel this podcast going forward so uh i'm here to put them there get us renewed for another episode coming on wednesday how much are they paying you to be the president of the nathan roar club man like you know is (laughs) no this is all free will man this is all free will (laughs) The endorsement deals would be so bad, Ryan, you could probably retire right now. Uh, new to the game, an injury replacement, but a pretty darn good performance when the rest of the team didn't carry the mail or carry the ball. No pun intended. This is where we go for Trey's Player of the Week. Yeah, it was an interesting week. I, it was tough games to go from. I knew uh, Ryan was going to go Nathan Rourke. Uh, you know, I never know what Mike and Adam are going to do. But, yeah, Diedrich Mills, 100 yards right on the century mark. Uh, oddly enough, no touchdowns. But, you know, he didn't need to get in the end zone. He, you know, when you have Bo Levi, what, throwing 13 completions? Because you got to run the ball for 100 yards. So, you know, it's hard to go against the guy there. And a team with Bo Levi, you don't usually see a guy go for that many yards. But he did it. And he, uh, and it, yeah, in a weird game with Calgary-Ottawa, I'm going to give him the player of the game. Uh, honorable mention, 
Janarian Grant, Winnipeg, you know, he's unreal. I've been saying, um, you guys need to sit next to me because I whispered to my girlfriend, he's going to go for one big, and she has no idea what I'm talking about. She's a new football expert. I said, the guy with the dreads, he's going to run a lot and he's going to get his points. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. And he starts doing that. Kickoff return, kickoff return, and a punt return. Now he's on the offense. Matt, he's another guy that some team's going to probably pay two, 300000 for, or, you know. What, what's up with the guys in dreadlocks, man? They're always so fast, and it's great. And I love seeing those dreads flow. Jerry and Grant, man, is my uh, uh, honorable mention. Boys, we have history on this show. In what form, you might ask? Well, to slide into the power ranking section, I did not make a change to my power rankings at all this week. They remain exactly as they were last week with Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa. I think the order is self-explanatory if you've been listening to this show for the last hour and a half. Now, Ryan, explain to us your rationale for your power rankings. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be surprised to see Winnipeg, BC, Calgary be my top three in that order yet again after what we've seen the past couple of weeks. Uh, Saskatchewan was on a bye week, so I couldn't move them, so they stay at number four. I moved Toronto up to five because credit to them for the, uh, the big second half comeback there. Also, they play Hamilton a number of times the next few weeks, and uh, they've already got one up on them there. Uh, I have Hamilton at the uh, the other side of it uh, at number six. Montreal at seven for me. I'm still not high on Montreal, but I do have to put them ahead of Ottawa, who just did not look good this week. And uh, Edmonton drops back down to number nine. Uh, yes, they have two wins on the season, but they're also in a tight West division, whereas all of these teams out East, well, any of them could take first place in the division here still. So uh, that's why Edmonton ends up at number nine after a disastrous week against the Lions. Trey, you had a resident betting expert, as has been multiple, as has been multiple times. Sorry, my time this time. As has been said multiple times on this podcast this week, what have you cooked up for power rankings? I thank you, Mike. Well, yeah, top three. It's really the top three is pretty set in stone, you know. And I'm going to have Toronto in fourth. I'm a little higher on Toronto. I, I, obviously, you know, I don't think they're going to be any higher than four right now, but. You know, they have a couple games here against Hamilton to really take a hold of that and say, <laughs> you know what, there's going to be three teams in the East that suck, but we're going to be all right. So that's why they're there. Montreal, too, you know, they kept up with Winnipeg, so I'm a little giving them a little bit of benefit. Hamilton, I'm not sold on Ham- Hamilton and Edmonton. And now with Saskatchewan here. I got a question for Adam because he was the one that put them eighth last week. So how did they move up to fourth without playing a game? That's my big question to Adam in the in the chat, unless he told us because they can't they haven't played a game. So I think I have them eighth, and they're going to remain at eighth. And Ottawa's Ottawa right now until things change. And of course, if you want to get Adam's uh, rankings, uh, well, Mike, you can give us Adam's rankings here right away. But you can ask him about it uh, on Twitter at Adam Stewart One. Also, another good reason to tune in on Wednesday night, where this debate is going to go back and forth and fast and furious. Well, 
for Adams, power rankings, they are pretty much the same. I think we uh, we had the same top three in that order. Hedo's uh, Saskatchewan at four, Toronto at five, Hamilton at six, Ottawa at seven, Montreal at eight, and uh, Edmonton at nine. My early guess for why he puts Saskatchewan at four, and I don't know this for a fact, but if I had to guess the way he was thinking, it's just that his feelings weren't hurt this week. And that deserves to be at the top of recognition. Who knows? Uh, Adam, I absolutely adore you as a person. I do not mean ill will uh, for you. I just find you very comical. And this kind of made my day. And by the way, he put something very interesting in our chat where we put our rankings. He happened to put a bunch of university teams on that list, which I couldn't quite fit in to here. Um, boy, keep your head on a swivel when it comes to Stewart's power rankings. Might just be a segment on his own. You can find them on Twitter at Adam Stewart one as Ryan has said. Uh, yeah, pretty much, guys. I think we're starting to get some separation uh, when it comes to the power rankings, at least a little bit here as well. Uh, so that takes care of that. Thank you, uh, Mr. Automatic, for removing the uh, graphic. As we wrap things up here on our Week 8 recap, let's take a look at what's coming up next. Or sorry, Week 9. My, my script didn't update there properly. My apologies. Uh, week 9 recap, let's take a look at what's coming up next on the podcast. Week 10 preview will be this Wednesday. where. Bets and pleasantries. Maybe it's changed. You can find out uh, all that information and more. 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan. Adjust your other time zones accordingly. And maybe listening to us from across the sea. I don't know how you quite do that. If it's middle of the night here or how that works, but hi to our steam podcast listeners overseas who we seem to be pretty big in certain places um and then the week 10 recap will come up next monday 9 p.m winnipeg time 8 p.m saskatchewan time uh for that as well you can catch all these shows and more every week on youtube you can search the canadian football countdown facebook.com backslash uh, CFC Countdown Pod on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod on Twitch twitch.tv slash CFC Countdown Pod as well as on the Game Time TV YouTube page. All made possible thanks to our uh, presenting sponsor Game Time TV. You can learn more about upcoming events facebook.com backslash Game Time TV MB or by visiting watch.com GameTimeTV.ca. Want to follow us on social media? As mentioned, you can follow find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, where you can find. Um, might be a little, little bit uh, bias here. Some of the best show promos in the entire CFPN, just based on I don't know personal experiences that happen to get retweeted. Such as mine this morning. 
all seriousness, we love the Twitter engagement. Uh, keep it up as well. Uh, you can check out all the other great shows as well uh, uh, by visiting Twitter or on Twitter while you're on Twitter by finding CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great shows as well. Just before we wrap things up, let's get a closing comment from the rest of our panel, starting with the guy on my left, Ryan Coop. Yeah, fun week of CFL talk here. Looking forward to the Wednesday night show for sure. It should be a lot of fun there. Uh, if you want to talk more CFL, CFL fantasy with me, I had a couple fun conversations around that on Twitter, around uh, the pick of Caleb Evans this week. I stand by it, even though it didn't work out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. It starts with a K. If you want to talk anything CFL related there. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Rod over from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, uh, part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, uh, uh, who uh, did unfortunately announce today that the Wood Cookie Sawcast is officially ending. Uh, Rod has many different projects over on his plate and, uh, you know, uh, full respect to him for, uh, for making the decision. I know it wasn't an easy one for him and, uh, the Wood Cookie Sawcast has been a great part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Rod's been a, a friend of the show. He's been on the show a couple of times. He's played in our fantasy leagues, etc. So I uh, wish him nothing but the best. Hope we see him around the CFL circles still. And uh, make sure you go check out everything else he's got going on. He's a busy man. Lots of writing, lots of podcasting, anything uh, anything and everything pretty much at RJ Via Gomez on Twitter. So uh, shout out to you, Rod. Uh, happy to know you and wish you all the best. Really quick on Rod, if you want a good laugh, check out him and uh, his visit with Ryan and I on the uh, on the uh, free agency special we did last year. Uh, near the end of the day, to be honest, I was getting a little tired. Uh, Rod comes on the show and he is like a firecracker of energy, but just all of our energy right back up. He's like that guy that comes with the jumper cables and puts them on the battery and gets everybody else going. That was him. All the best to Rod uh, as well. Sorry, Trey, I have to cut you off here really quickly because we got some breaking news here, but I want to slide in quickly. Uh, Trey Roberson is done for the season in Calgary. Um, that was announced. He had surgery. The injury sustained in the Winnipeg game. Uh, quickly, Trey, and then we'll go to Ryan quickly. Just reaction to that news. Unfortunate for the Stamps. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate, especially when the Stamps are in such a tight race with uh, BC and Winnipeg, you know, missing out on starters. But like I always say, next man. Like, hey, thoughts and prayers to him. Speedy recovery. You know, we don't want to ever see anyone go down. And sometimes in sports, we might overlook injuries a little bit because they're so common. But again, you know, Next man up when it comes up to it, so whoever's replacement is better. Uh, I'm sure they're going to perform. It's still Calgary. It's still uh, Huffnagel's team, right? He's kind of, I'd put him the closest to Belichick in the CFL where it doesn't, like, they could lose guys and he'll replace them. But thoughts and, uh, you know, speedy recovery to Trey. You know, we got it. We're named, we're named twins, right? I got it. all the peace and love with him. Ryan? Yeah, I, I don't disagree on anything he said there. I think he hit the nail on the head. Obviously, hope for a recovery for him. Hope for a speedy recovery for uh, Braylon Addison as well, who who had a rough injury. He hates seeing the stars of the league go down. 
Uh, tough blow for the Stampeders, but without him this week, they still shut down uh, the Red Blacks' offense pretty much completely. So next man up, indeed. I think they've got uh, not got guys that can uh, step in there. Uh, so uh, we'll see what that brings for the Stampeders here going forward. But uh, I guess over to you, Trey. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, boys, real quick. Uh, I know this has already been a long show, but uh, if you want to see me do what I normally do in August 27th, tentative you know we're still waiting for a new track to be fully formed and i'm not supposed to overly advertise it yet but if you're in the winnipeg area and you're around the red river x come check out harness racing returns after 27 years to winnipeg i'm the announcer so uh when we talk about jumper cables i usually have about two or three red bulls uh before i get to the booth so if you think i messed up now uh yeah see me after two or three red bulls on a saturday and uh Labor Day weekend, as again, tentative, there's supposed to be, uh, there's the fall fair at the Red River X, uh, kind of the mini Red River X fair. Supposed to have two days of racing there. Could be a great time. Again, if you want to check out harness racing, you want to come see me do my thing, that's where you are. It should be live streamed if you can't make it to the city. Follow me at at Harness if you want to find all that. Follow me there if you want to see me brag about my other uh big winnings in horse racing today just shy of a thousand dollars man i'm so mad and uh yeah 13 and 3 that's where you're gonna find me and uh and uh yeah at trey mb harness oh trey cf countdown on our new sponsors bet stamp you can check that out and uh, i think it was what cf cf countdown pod is our whole one so you know again usually the cfl pod it's what ryan and adam go with because they always vote against me so if you want to see my picks that's uh trey cfl our CF podcast. So, yeah, there we go, boys. Really quickly, Adam might be turning into the resident Zinger when it comes to the comments. He always had one that is like popping everybody else, and this one is the best. If, if you build it, Trey will fall and in brackets, the race. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MyGerald. Uh, you can find out everything about game time in the next couple of weeks. We're excited to release broadcast schedules. Finally, uh, getting somewhere with that. It's been a bit of a challenge. I just want to wish all the best of luck to Winnipeg's Carson Lambos. This has nothing to do with a podcast. Uh, him and Team Canada will start their run at the summer edition of the World Junior Hockey Championship. In Edmonton, the tournament starts tomorrow, Canada's first game on Wednesday night. Did they look good in a pre-tournament game against Sweden tonight? But let's draw the real bullets in the data. It starts tomorrow across your television set. Uh, Canada's first game is on Wednesday. That is it for me. That is it for my uh, closing. Uh, I don't know if either of you has anything quickly to add or not. Uh, nope. Okay, we're good there. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Um, whatever podcast platform you're watching or listening on, whether it's now live or after the fact, we really, really appreciate it. Also, special shout out to those of you in the comments. You are what makes the show what it is. Uh, I know I speak for Ryan, for Trey, and for Adam. Uh, we love doing this show, not just for ourselves. But to have that engagement with you as we're doing these shows just makes it that much more fun. I'll be honest, guys. I was hoping for a short show, but uh, every time I say it's going to be short, 
an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, it is, but it's fun to do every week. Uh, you guys will be nothing but amazing on Wednesday's show, like always. So once again, if you want to like more of our content or you want to find more, you can find all of us on our personal Twitter account. Adam is at Adam Stewart one uh, You can also uh, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. I would always appreciate that. On behalf of Trey Colbert and Ryan Coop, this is Michael Gale saying thank you for listening and for watching. Uh, thanks for making us part of your Monday. And the rest of the boys will talk to you on Wednesday. I'll be back next week to recap what may be a crazy or a not so crazy week. Stay tuned, everybody. Have a great week. We'll chat next week.